One of the things that we don't recognize all the time in the corporate world is the role that leadership and mentorship plays in the military. I was leading a team of 10 people in a work center in the Navy before I was 21. And so you have a lifetime of developing leadership skills that are not just for managers. What I'm very grateful for of my military experience is being able to try out so many different sections of intel. I started out as tactical intelligence, got to work in signal intelligence, electronic warfare a little bit before I transitioned to cyber operations, did the full spectrum as well as commanded at the Army Cyber Schoolhouse. And so I got a taste of what all those things look like from the military perspective. So when I wanted to transition to the civilian sector, I knew my happy place was right in the middle of intelligence and uh, operations. I would encourage getting involved in those along with the SkillBridge programs and getting the resume up to date and all that and going to the networking events. But I feel like the CTFs and that, that community, the conferences and such uh, was probably the biggest impact on uh, me getting into the industry successfully. Think about what you've learned, not necessarily just specific to the career field, but think about the experiences that you've gained and how they can be uh, useful to future employers. Hello and welcome everybody to episode seven of the Skills Gap series, part of Mandiant Defender's Advantage podcast, uh, where we focus on ideas and initiatives on narrowing the skills gap in cybersecurity. I'm your host, Kevin Borlame, and today's discussion will focus on the military transition into cyber. Joining us on today's panel are former members of the military, now serving in a variety of roles at Mandiant, which is now a part of Google Cloud. We have Paul Shaver, who is former Navy, now a global practice leader for OT security. Thomas Worthington is a former Marine, now senior red team consultant. Lauren Krukar is former Army, now manager threat intelligence. And Brian Timberlake is former Air Force, now senior incident response consultant. Thank you all for joining us today. We're going to go through a series of questions and look forward to hearing what you can say here today. So to start, if each of you could tell us a little about the role you performed in the military and your current role at Mandian. Paul, if you wouldn't mind leading us off. Sure. Thank you very much for having me. So I joined the Navy right out of high school. I was a gunner's mate. And that kind of led to, you know, all the things that are that work around naval weapon systems. So learned a lot about hydraulics, pneumatics, servo motor control, electronics and electrical troubleshooting. And that kind of played right into uh, industrial control systems. And so I spent about 20 years in escalating roles working in industrial control systems, started in the trenches as a technician and then worked my way up through programming and designing systems, and then eventually landed here working on securing those systems. So I lead the global practice. Um, we focus on industrial control and, and OT cybersecurity and improving the security posture for clients across the globe. So happy to be here and, and love talking about how veterans can leverage their experience and and move into cyber careers and, and how they can take that experience and, and make it a worthwhile career field. Thomas? Hey, thanks, Kevin. Uh, so... Yes. Likewise, I joined out of high school uh, into the Marine Corps as an avionics technician and did small component electronic repair for aircraft electronics. And then uh, there was no cybersecurity aspect to that. It was just uh, a side hobby that I enjoyed while I was in the Marine Corps and uh, chased when I got out. I went to school for computer networks and security and then master's in cybersecurity and found myself at Mandiant. First, I was a deployment integration consultant, deploying FireEye Tech and integrating it into client environments, 
helping them uh, understand how it worked, what it did, how to use it, how to maintain it, all that fun stuff. And about two years ago, transitioned onto the red team. I've been doing a red team penetration testing uh, engagements since. Great, Marm. Thank you so much, Kevin. So unlike the others, I first went to college, but I went as an ROTC contracted cadet. Uh, got my degree in electrical and computer engineering, and then commissioned into the military intelligence corps of the army. Uh, spent five years there, and then spent five years transitioned over to cyber operations. Uh, when I transitioned out, I transitioned directly to Mandiant in our Mandiant intelligence program, part of our AIA's onsite integrates, and now I manage in our strategic intelligence and government section. And last but not least, Brian. Hey, yeah, thanks. So I joined not too long after high school. Uh, I joined the Air Force, came in as an uh, aircraft armament systems technician, which is basically loading up missiles on uh, aircraft. Uh, The aircraft I worked was F-16s. Did that for a few years, decided it was not exactly for me, and took the first opportunity I could to retrain into a different career field titled uh, Cyber Warfare Operations. I did that for a little over five years, had a, a really great time, did a lot of uh, really cool things, traveled a lot to to Europe to do essentially incident response and threat hunting work. And then when it came time for me to separate, just was the right decision for us. And I started looking around early about for different ways to transition out of the military as smoothly as possible. And that came to be uh, the SkillBridge program for me, and it, it was super helpful. And uh, so I used that to start an internship here at Mandiant, and that turned into a full-time position as a senior incident response consultant uh, that I'm doing now, and I'm loving every minute of it. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, for our next question, you know, what skills from your time in the military do you feel prepared you best for the position you are in today? And uh, Paul, we'll let you lead that question off again as well. So, you know, I think things that we don't recognize all the time in the corporate world is the role that leadership and mentorship plays in the military. So I was leading a team of 10 people in a work center in the Navy before I was 21. And so you have a lifetime of developing leadership skills that don't necessarily, that those skills are are not just for managers, right? Leadership um, and mentorship, helping other people grow in their careers, helping other people understand, you know, in, in this case, you know, how you can leverage the skills that you have into a different career field or take the experience that you've achieved in one area and apply that somewhere else. Being able to, to help people, help your, your teammates, um, even your direct reports and grow that leadership ability, I think is something that the military offers. And, and so when we look at um, even folks coming out of the military after a single four-year commitment, those folks come out with really good understanding of what leadership and mentorship looks like and are able to contribute to your teams with those skills, not just the technical skills that, that they have as, as you know, the key part of what they're doing, but really, really sharing the knowledge of, of what leadership mentorship looks like in teamwork. Great. And Thomas, if you want to kind of expand beyond that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, likewise, uh, my role in the military wasn't related to cybersecurity. So for what prepared me the most, uh, particularly with the Marine Corps, I think, is a lot of self-drive. Marine Corps is very big on low-level leadership or self-leadership and self-drive, self-initiative. So that really helped coming out into the industry as 
you know, with no background, no knowledge within the industry, no networking or no network to speak of. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would also agree that that was probably the biggest help for me coming out of the military in my role. So on the flip side to that, while leadership was absolutely helpful in my current role now as I directly manage personnel, my experience in the Army was very relevant to what I do now. And so what I'm very grateful for of my military experience is being able to try out so many different sections of intel. I started out as tactical intelligence, got to work in signal intelligence, electronic warfare a little bit before I transitioned to cyber operations, did the full spectrum as well as commanded at the Army Cyber Schoolhouse. And so I got a taste of what all those things look like from the military perspective. So when I wanted to transition to the civilian sector, I knew my happy place was right in the middle of intelligence and uh, operations. So cyber threat intelligence was the right fit for me, with Mannion being the best company out there for me to join. Yeah, and uh, and like Lauren, I uh, had a similar, I guess, uh, pathway, right? So I because I got to do what I'm essentially doing now for Mandiant, but within the Air Force, obviously that helped me immensely, right? So if if you're looking to you know, separate and you're not interested in continuing the type of role that you're in, say you're doing something not related to cybersecurity, but this is the role that, that you feel, you know, most compelled towards, I would definitely try. There are, you know, different options uh, available dependent on the service, right, for uh, retraining into something else. And, you know, if you can, if you can leverage that, uh, absolutely do so. Obviously, uh, we've heard from others that it's not required right? Like you, you, you get a ton of experience in, in various, you know, aspects of being, you know, a productive member of any company, right? But whether that's leadership or uh, initiative, but at the same time, if you have an op- opportunity to build out your, the skill set that you're wanting to leverage, then absolutely try and jump on that as much as possible. Excellent. And actually, Brian, if you want to lead off the next question, kind of leading into that, we've talked sure. a little about, you know, that transition plan and figuring out, how do you get from point A to where you want to be in point B? You could talk a little more about, you know, what your plan looked like and maybe touch on the skill bridge program aspect a little bit as well. For sure. Absolutely. So I started early. I, I got to a point in my career, I did about 10 years active duty, but about nine years or maybe a little before my nine year mark, I had kind of made that decision. And the reason for my decision is mostly inconsequential, but at the same time, I think it may resonate with people. So I was in an, an incredible unit. I had great teammates. Uh, I loved my job. And so my, my, I guess the whole reason for me getting out was because I was not thrilled with the potentials of, you know, continuing service where I would end up, right? Because I felt like I was at the top of the world and the best unit I could have been. And so I wanted to basically keep that going. And I, I felt the best way to do that because I enjoyed my job so much was to separate, right? So uh, I started the process early. I talked to just about everybody I could think of, right? I talked to the education office for the Air Force, which manages the SkillBridge program and makes sure that, you know, you have everything lined up. And uh, that that's my biggest piece of advice is just making sure you start early. If the SkillBridge program is something that you can take advantage of, you absolutely should. I'd say it was instrumental. Given that I spent 10 years in the in the Air Force active duty, I didn't do a whole lot of interviews <laughs> until it was time for me to separate. So yeah, having that internship where you can go and work with a company and, and kind of mesh with a team to make sure that you are, you know, 
a, a good fit and make sure for them that you kind of fit the mold for, for that team is uh, super important. And it just gives you a lot of really good exposure. You know, you could have up to six months for your skill bridge, depending on your command. So uh, if you have the opportunity, um, I'll just say it again, just definitely, definitely use it. And uh, to make sure that everything's set up properly, I would start as early as possible. Uh, even if you haven't made the decision, definitely start if you're even thinking about separating, right? Just start going down all the different avenues that you'll need to you know, tackle at one point or another. That way you at least understand the process. Let your command know, you know, let your teammates know, right? This is something that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big decision to separate. So just make sure that you're prepared. And ideally, you, you won't run into too many roadblocks if you start as early as possible. And if you aren't as wise as Brian about your transition, no fear, it, you do end up on the other side anyway. So, so unlike Brian, I did not pursue the, the Skill Bridge program. I was planning on my transition in mid-2020. So as we know, there was a global pandemic. I ended up filing an emergency extension to stay into the Army until December 1st. By the time I started my transition leave, which I had built up 90 days worth of transition leave, I didn't really have a finalized resume yet. I didn't know where I was applying, who I was going to apply with, what I wanted to do exactly. I didn't have all of that, I felt, figured out. Uh, However, I was able to lean on some key resources during that time. Uh, I used a lot of women veteran-centric resources to get the ball rolling quickly. Uh, So I was able to use the USO Pathfinder to quickly have my resume redone in a more presentable, less embarrassing format. I was able to use the Patriots Path program in an all-female group. And then I ended up meeting my immediate recruiter in a women in cybersecurity job fair. So at that point in time, I knew that they were already interested in women and that Uh, WESIS has a veterans organization that was also willing to help out in that period of time. So I quickly got the ball rolling. It was a lot of hard work in that last period, but it all worked out. And then Thomas, you want to chime in a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So my uh, path out of the military was uh, a bit different. I won programs like SkillBridge wasn't around. Cybersecurity was still uh, a new term that hadn't really taken hold in the industry yet. The military, the Marine Corps in particular, had just stood up a cyber command and made it publicly known within the Marine Corps, at least. I was trying to transition to that before I was medically separated. And so kind of got forced out. <clears throat> but at the time, even the uh, the career recruiter had no idea what the cyber command was, even though I showed it to her in Marine times. So That kind of forced me out. But while I was in, I was going to school uh, slowly. And then once I was getting medically separated, I uh, kind of ramped that school up to full time. And uh, once I got out, really dove into uh, CTFs and uh, got into the local hacker spaces, started meeting others. They enjoyed the same hobbies, same interests. And that kind of burgeoned into the career I have now, which has been really great. So I know there's a a ton more resources, particularly free online resources or cheaper training. There's gazillion and one CTFs and hackerspaces out there. 
Uh, so I would encourage getting involved in those along with the, the SkillBridge programs and getting the resume up to date and all that and going to the networking events. But I feel like the, uh, the, the CTFs and that, that community, the conferences and such, uh, was probably the biggest impact on uh, me getting into the industry successfully. So. And that's actually a good segue into our next question and what we're going to kind of talk about. What's that? We're getting into that next step. So you know, when it comes to finding jobs outside of the military, you've touched on them all a little bit, but let's talk a little more about you know, some of the resources and advice you would recommend uh, to those transitioning military members. Um, and Paul, if you'd like to lead off here. Yeah, so I'm going to plug a veterans organization that, that I do a lot of work with that we have a number of members here at Mandiant that, that spend a lot of time with, and, and that's VetSec. VetSec's nonprofit. It's a veteran community, and it really is full of people that, that just want to help veterans move into tech careers in, in cybersecurity with a focus. But there's also some resources there for, for software development and, and regular IT careers. And so, but one of the things I think that kind of has, we've led into with, with some of the prior comments here is, is resumes, right? Resources that are available to veterans to help them translate their, their military career into a resume that's readable by by a corporate side re- recruiter to get through to that you know to that hiring process military military resumes the lingo the jargon the the technical information that's in there for what these veterans have worked on for these systems you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the civilian world and so a lot of times those things get overlooked i, I recently had a, a a warrant officer a network network specialist warrant officer from the army um, and his resume just completely flew by the recruiting because all of the things in there just didn't make any sense to anybody. They didn't correlate to what the job posting was. And he was, uh, you know, ended up being overqualified for the job, but didn't even get considered because of how his resume read, right? It was, it was too much technical, military focused language. And so one of the resources that I highly recommend is, is some resume re- review process. There's, there's, folks in that VetSec group in the Slack channels that will do resume reviews. They'll do mock interviews. As, as I think Brian said, you know, military people don't, you know, you come out of the service, you have never done an interview, right? You've, you've never sat in front of maybe even a, a panel, right? Some organizations have panel interviews. You may not have that experience. And so there's mock interviews, there's resume reviews. And then there's just everyday camaraderie and encouragement that there are roles out there for veterans. And, and there's, training opportunities and resources available as well. So I think it's really about identifying the resources that are going to best fit what what you're looking to try to accomplish in your career and then leveraging those to get where you want to get. And if I could also just chime in on that. So something that I've noticed a lot with military members or people that are, you know, separating from the military, they underestimate, you know, where, you know, what type of role they can fill um, as far as like the seniority of the level. For instance, I when I was getting out, I didn't really have anybody to look to that I knew in the military that had gotten out, especially not doing the type of job that I wanted to do. So I kind of expected a different level, we'll call it, a lower level of, of a role that I was qualified for. But as I you know, spent more time in the job search and, and reading job postings and really beginning to understand the experience that I have you know, gained and was, you know, I, the experience that I, I had to give right to to an organization, that's when I started to realize that maybe 
I was qualified for some of those uh, more senior uh, senior roles. Um, so just keep that in mind. You know, if you're if you're separating from the military, think about what you've learned. Not necessarily just specific to the career field, but think about the experiences that you've you've gained and how they they can be uh, useful to uh, future employers. Yeah, and one point just to add from the recruiting perspective, when you are looking at opportunities, do reconnaissance. You know, understand what an employer is looking for understand the type of people their in roles you're interested in and what their backgrounds look like as well. It's very helpful to know, you know, what you're walking into before you get into the interview process to really better prepare yourself. Yeah. And then I'll just re-highlight there's so many different resources out there that you'll have access to as a veteran. Um, you will need to cut through the noise and find the resources that work best for you. So where you are at skill-wise, what jobs you want to go into, And so that's why I kind of leaned on some of those female-centric resources, because my imposter syndrome, as I was looking at applying to these jobs, was hitting that I had these women cheerleaders backing me up um, going forward into the space. Fantastic. Well, leading into our final question of the day, and I realize this is kind of a larger question, so I do want to kind of open to the group in terms of how you want to answer. But, you know, as we think about employers, we think about interviewing you know, what are the questions our military members should really be asking those potential employers to make sure they're a good fit for them as they look to you know, find their new role outside the military? Oh, absolutely. I'm very passionate about this question. So when I was in the Army, my values were assigned to me. I had had and lived the Army values day in and day out. Uh, and so when I was transitioning into the corporate world, it became a question of what values do I want to maintain that are for me and what do I want those values to be reflected in an employer since they're no longer going to have the same listed publicly available value set. Uh, and so when I started asking questions on what's important to your organization, <clears throat> how what's important to your culture or how your culture affects uh, your employees, those kinds of questions really got down to their values. So I think one of the things that that often gets overlooked when candidates are are coming out of the military is what do benefits and training look like? You know, kind of kind of to to Lauren's point, the benefits that we have as as military service members and the training that we are offered a lot of times is is that's whatever the branch of service that we're we're serving that's meets their needs, right? They send us to the training that meets their needs. They, you know, the benefits that we have across the board, you know, are, are the same across you know, every, every military branch, right? So when you're, when you're looking at transitioning out to the corporate world, understanding what benefits look like, finding um, somebody that can help answer some questions or, or just knowing what questions to ask is super critical, right? I mean, spend some time and understand some of that because, you know, I think my first um, civilian job outside of the military, I had no idea what I was selecting when I got to benefits. I didn't know that I should be asking about you know, do I have training dollars that, that are invested into me? And, and does that training, you know, is that training that, that is focused on what I want to do with my career? Or is it training that, you know, is just going to meet the corporate need, right? And, and to Lauren's point, right, what is important to you? What, what are those things that are, you know, from a career development perspective, are the things that you want to do, or at least in that point in time, what do you think you want to do? And, and is that organization going to give you the ability to, to build and grow into that? Because it's it's that's not universal in the corporate world, and and I think the military 
perspective coming out is you just go and do what they tell you to do. And you don't, you don't have a whole lot of choice in it. And so where you can exercise the ability to drive your own career, you know, ask those questions and figure out what it is you want to do and whether the organization is going to support that. Yeah. And I think also worth mentioning is the growth path, right? So yes, with, you know, what Paul was saying about, you know, the skills that you want to, to gain and the experience and the, and, and what you want to do as like a, an overarching, you know, theme to, to your employment, but in the military, you have a very specific growth path. <laughs> you're an E1, you'll put on E2, you'll put on E3, uh, you'll test for E4, E5, you go up for boards, you know, and your growth path is very defined, super well documented, and you know exactly what's required. So having a good understanding of what that looks like in the corporate world for any role, not just cybersecurity, is extremely important. Otherwise, you may find yourself in a role that doesn't really have something beyond it, uh, a more senior position. And I think for the most part, you know, we all want to be able to have a bigger influence in whatever organization we're in over time, right, as we begin to understand things. So making sure that the role that you're applying for, if, if you're interested in increasing your seniority and, and your level of influence, then that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, the last bit I would add on is um, asking about the team culture and team fit, uh, just because in the military, you kind of you get assigned to a team. You show up, you know, you get your orders, you show up, and that's your team. You move forward. Uh, there's no choice in that matter as far as who you're working with, and sometimes that's okay, sometimes not so much. And civilian world, that's something you're able to ask about and talk about. And if it's not a good fit, uh, you can move on to the next company, which might be a better fit culture-wise. So I would definitely encourage that. That took me a while to learn. And I think a good point to add on to that, Thomas, is when you're within an organization, recognize not only the growth upward, but also the growth horizontally as well. You may get into a role and find you want to do something else, and that may be available to the same company. So always keep in mind that there are you know, other options, especially within large organizations, and that make sure you recognize what those opportunities are. Some companies have you know, additional training programs. They have job rotations. They have mentorship programs. There's a lot of opportunities just to learn what else a company has available, even beyond the role that you're in today. Well, uh, that comes to the conclusion of our questions today. I'd like to thank you all for your time and service. Uh, fantastic information, you know, that really should benefit you know, those military members both today and in the future. As always, we really encourage everyone listening to share out this podcast to their networks and, of course, continue the discussion you know, via their own experiences. You know, let's work together to create more awareness and opportunities in cyber for anyone who is interested. Be sure to join us again next month for our next Skills Gap session. And also be sure to check out our other Manny Defenders Advantage podcast series as well. They're all shared out through similar channels. So hope you get an opportunity to look at those as well. Thank you.